Jaime, you have more courage than I could ever dream of having. Yes. <laughs> Exodus chapter 10. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 20. We're right in the middle of the plagues that God is bringing upon Egypt. The plagues of chapter 9, which were hail and lightning, have been the most severe hail and lightning ever to hit Egypt before or after. And now we've had some pretty serious storms around here of late, but I don't think they're the most severe ever. But the hail and lightning were the most severe ever in Egypt. And we hear of disasters today, and they use the characterization of biblical portions. Insurance policies will even call some natural disasters acts of God. There are also acts of terrorism where the public waits to hear some some group or some terrorist organization that claims responsibility. But in, in Exodus here, God tells Pharaoh, these plagues, these awesome, mighty plagues that are coming upon Egypt, Pharaoh, they're from me. So let's read Exodus 1 through 20. Now the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and his and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. And they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. And they shall fill your houses, the houses of your servant, and the houses of the Egyptian, which neither your fathers nor your father's father have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went, in, went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God, and do not let them know that Egypt... Do you not know yet that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young, with our old, with our sons, with our daughters, with our flocks, with our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. And then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Isn't it interesting that Pharaoh wants to warn Moses? But anyway, 
Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt, and that they may eat every herb of the land and all the hail, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went out over the land of Egypt and rested on the territory of Egypt. They were very, uh, they were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land, all of the fruit of the trees, which a hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees, or on the plants, or on the fields throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord, your God, and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and he entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children of Israel go. Many Christian teachers, many pastors, are shy, even cautious, to make God appear judgmental in any way. And I understand this. I do not want to be giving God credit for something that I'm not sure was of God. And, uh, but if a natural disaster is of God, then so be it. I do not want to hide from the possibility what we call natural disasters or acts of God, which really could be of God. Verse 1, Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, uh, and I've hardened Pharaoh's heart. Plague after plague has come upon Pharaoh and he has hardened his heart. But after this plague, God declares, or plague seven, I will now harden Pharaoh's heart against me. God says his opportunities to repent are over. I will now harden his heart. And you can't turn against your own hard heart. I never want to hear God say to me, okay, Don, you refuse to listen to me? You refuse to obey, now I will come against you. I never want to hear that from my Lord. I never want to hear him says, your heart will become hard against me, and you will no longer think rationally or properly. And we're capable of having a hard heart that will reason that way. In Luke 6.45, Jesus proclaims, and I did it already today, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
And what we think and what we consider down in our hearts, sooner or later, comes forth from our mouth. In this same verse, Jesus said, a good man from the treasures of his heart brings forth good. And he says, likewise, an evil man from the treasure of his heart will bring forth evil things. And how true that is. We constantly get to see a little insight into some of our public figures, politicians, celebrities, and they work feverishly to promote their public image that they desire. But every now and again, they will leave a mic on, <laughs> an open mic, and, uh, and we will hear some public figure disgrace themselves, say something that is really biased or prejudiced or hateful. And we get to see what they're really like. But God has declared there is going to come a time in every human being, in every life that has ever lived, that they will confess to me, their God, who I am in a reverent way. That's going to happen. God has hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he's also hardened the hearts of Pharaoh's servants. And whether you dislike the current political administration, we still hear things like, how could the people reelect such a person? Pharaoh, he's an evil tyrant, yet his people, his servants, are right there with him. Pharaoh still has the allegiance of his people. His people are just like him, evil and hard-hearted. And God has declared, he says, I'm against you, Pharaoh. And God wants Moses and his people to know and understand that these mighty plagues, these devastating plagues against the Egyptians are from him. And that messes with some of our theology, doesn't it? God wants his people to know fully he is the Lord, and he makes no apologies for it. God has heard the cries of the Hebrews. He's heard the cries of his people. And now God is bringing all his plagues upon Egypt, and God is right in the middle of delivering his people, yet the Egyptians suffer. Perhaps, maybe, like those qualifiers, God isn't concerned about his image before man. God isn't required to be the God that we think he should be. He is God. God isn't forced to be that warm, fuzzy God that some people want to make him into. God has a judgmental side to him, and he of himself requires that he judge sin and immoral people. That is his nature. He will do that. But in God's dealings with Pharaoh and Egypt, God makes a point, 
And he makes a point that is beyond any doubt that, that even the Egyptians in their thinking cannot deny that he is the living God and he is opposed or fighting against the Egyptians. In Luke 12... Jesus is teaching a multitude, and it says that there's so many people there that they begin to trample one another. Jesus is talking about things like the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. But let me read you a couple verses in Luke 12. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. We are not to be afraid of those who can kill the body. And yet, death is a primal fear. You see a little gnat on your window. Do this sometime. This little gnat, so tiny, go up there and poke your finger at him to kill him. He will flee from you. A gnat that has no logic or any other thinking capabilities whatsoever doesn't want to die. Death is a primal fear, and God says to us through Jesus, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but you best be afraid of those or himself that can cast you into hell after death. A murderer or an assassin can only kill the body, and then there's no more he can do. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you who to fear. You fear me. Fear me, for I have the power to cast you into hell after this life is over. Now that's Jesus speaking of himself. Moses and Aaron, they come into Pharaoh and they ask Pharaoh a question. A question that is at the very center of this conflict between God and Pharaoh. And the question is, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before God? What a question. And we'll come back to that. I'll close with that question. But the eighth plague of locusts and its swarms of grasshoppers, that's all a locust is, is a grasshopper. And they're so thick that they cover the ground. And there is no need to even try to avoid these locusts because they're everywhere. Locusts have been a plague upon Egypt in the past. And they've been a plague upon some of our croplands here in America in the past. But this is by far the most severe swarm of locusts ever to come upon Egypt. A locust feasts on anything that is green. Any plant that is alive, they will feast upon. Now, some of you know our missionaries, George and Luann, uh, from Africa. But when George and Luann come home on furlough, they come back and they, they visit with us and they sometimes will stay a few days with us. And we have a storm shelter out in our backyard. So come on up when the storm's hit. <laughs> and in this storm shelter, in the winter, it has what they call cave 
crickets. Looked like a grasshopper. Luann, who has faced all kinds of critters, bugs and the like, in Africa, freaks out when she sees these crave crickets in our storm shelter. Her remark is, there's nothing like that in Africa. Well, there is, too. Egypt is in Africa. We know that. But anyway. But here's this woman freaking out over a locust type little critter. <laughs> but locusts, they move in swarms, eating everything as they go. And the locusts of Egypt are eating everything that the hail did not destroy. Verse 7, Pharaoh says, to, uh, Pharaoh's servants say to him, let the adult men go and serve the Lord. Egypt is destroyed. But Pharaoh, he wants to know, hey, who all are you going to take with you when you go out to serve the Lord? And Moses replies, our young, our old, our flocks, our herds, all of us, all of our animals are going out, Pharaoh. But Pharaoh says to Moses, there's evil out there. There's evil ahead of you, Moses. So only let the men go. That could be a veiled threat by Pharaoh. Probably, knowing Pharaoh, it probably is. But Pharaoh will not let everybody go. But then Moses, you know, he holds up his rod and a strong east wind blows all day and night and brings in this locust like Egypt has never seen before. After the locusts have passed through, Egypt looks like it's been a fast-moving forest fire that has swept through there. There's nothing left green at all. The trees are skeletons. There's no leaves. There's no green uh, plant life. There's nothing green left in Egypt. Verse 16, Pharaoh calls for Moses. I have sinned against the Lord. I, you're God, and I've sinned against you, Moses. Now, isn't it interesting that Pharaoh now understands what sin is against God, whom he earlier denied? Because earlier he said, who is God and who am I that I should obey him? Well, now he even recognizes when he sins against God. Pharaoh is learning who God is. And he says, Moses, please forgive my sins only this time and take this death of locusts away. God reverses the wind. And a west wind blows and blows all the locusts out into the Red Sea. But God is not through with Pharaoh nor Egypt. So God hardens the heart of Pharaoh and Pharaoh does not let Israel go. Pharaoh has set his heart against God. And now God is making it like concrete. Okay, you set your heart against me, Pharaoh. Now I'm making you even more strong in that hardness. The plagues that come upon Egypt should, should speak to us. They should be an example to the world as to who God is. These plagues on Egypt 
we should t- take a lesson from them. Any believer should learn by reading about these plagues. As believers, we sometimes try to be God's defender. You ever try to defend God? You ever try to be his apologist? (laughs) Know this. When God chooses to reveal himself, it is not always subtle. It is not always mysterious. Sometimes God will just openly declare who he is, and history then must deal with who God is and the way he has chosen to reveal himself. And man is reduced to only watching events and doing nothing about them, not able to do a thing about them. But back to the question that we talked about earlier. How long, Pharaoh, will you refuse to humble yourself before God? In Philippians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle gives us believers an example of humility and it's Jesus. So you may want to turn to Philippians 2. We'll look at verses 5 through 11. There Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We're told here by Paul through Scripture, never think that it's not God-breathed Scripture, that Jesus had the mindset of always thinking of others. And then Jesus says, I was equal with God. I am God in every way, and I have all the godly attributes existing in myself, yet I make myself of no reputation. What a Lord we have. He takes on the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, meaning he reduced himself to become a man. Jesus purposely took on the appearance of a man. What humility. Tremendous humility. That kind of humility is beyond comprehension of even the angels of heaven. And it's definitely beyond mankind to think or imagine. In humility, Jesus suffered the death of the cross. We cannot begin to understand that in its fullness. But It isn't beyond the comprehension, beyond the will of God the Father. God exalted Jesus and gave him a name that is above every name. And here it is, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, 
on earth and under the earth. That is, every living being, including Pharaoh, who, by the way, is yet to bow that knee, will bow that knee. Every living being must either confess Jesus Christ is Lord or he is God supreme, glorifying God the Father, either before you die or after you die. You will confess that. That's a guarantee. God's word stands. God's will stands. And Pharaoh dies without admitting that truth. He refused to humble himself before God, his creator. And we're only into the eighth plague. Pharaoh did not humble himself before God. But rest assured, that is still in Pharaoh's future. For at the great white throne judgment seat, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess willingly that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that Jesus is God supreme. That will happen. I would urge anyone, do that while it's still within your capacity to do that. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God, and I openly confess that. I hope it's your confession also. Let me get you to stand, and we'll close in prayer. Father, we come to you, and we thank you for your great plan of salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus to suffer the cross for us. We acknowledge your Son as Lord and God. He is our God, and we thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much to come and be one of us, to go to the cross and suffer for us. What a glorious Savior we have. We acknowledge you, we thank you, we bow that knee before you, Lord. Thank you again for loving us so much. And thank you for putting it in our hearts to humble ourselves before you, before death, before we're required to. Thank you for loving us, Lord, and we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.